An Eichel backhander on goal save. Rebound, they score! Barbashev in front. 7-1 Golden Knights. The party is on in Las Vegas. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. What has happened here has been simply incredible. Not only is Vegas a hockey town, it's a championship town. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your home for access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here is Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... Boy, oh boy, it's two weeks down now for us on the VGK Insider Show. It feels like it's flown by, and so much so that there's hockey tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights. That's right. The Vegas Golden Knights will take the ice tonight, 7 o'clock, Dollar Loan Center, against the Anaheim Ducks in the rookie faceoff. Vegas will be on the ice playing games as early as tonight, 7 o'clock. It feels like just yesterday, and it was really just three months and two days ago, that the Golden Knights lifted the Stanley Cup at T-Mobile Arena, and now they will take the ice at the Dollar Loan Center, the rookies anyway, to take on the Anaheim Ducks. Again, that game goes at 7 o'clock. Brian McCormick will have the call for you of the VGK rookie game and the rookie faceoff. All the games will be on the radio. And then you've got Vegas on Saturday against San Jose, 7 o'clock at the Dollar Loan Center, and they'll conclude the rookie faceoff Monday afternoon against the Colorado Avalanche, 3 o'clock at City National Arena. One other thing, Stanley Cup will be on display 5 to 6.45. I would assume there's going to be a lot of people there. I would assume that a lot of people are trying to get a picture and take a look at Stanley. Uh, Stanley's awesome. It's well worth the wait, so get down there plenty early. That's about an hour away before you have your opportunity to check out the Stanley Cup. So, again, go down there early, hang out with Stan, and get ready for some Golden Knights hockey. I'm, I'm having a hard time with this one because, like, as soon as Vegas takes the ice – Right? Like we have to turn the page more or less on last season. And and like I know we've kind of been inching closer and closer and closer to this moment, but I don't know, Chapman, if I'm ready to close the book on last year. I don't know if I'm ready to go into season mode because right now it's just too much fun being a Golden Knights fan. You get to celebrate a Stanley Cup. You get to celebrate this moment. There's literally nothing that can happen right now that can take that away from you. And in a couple of weeks, that all changes. I I don't know that I'm ready to move on from the offseason. Well, yeah, I I think that's understandable. Um, I feel like you have up until the puck drops on October 10th before you have to kind of accept the fact that it's now a, a new season and your summer tour and celebration of being the greatest team in the NHL this past season. Look, the reality of the situation is it doesn't come to an end until Mm -hmm. a new champion, assuming a new champion is crowned in the spring. But for what we do, we, we turn the page on October 10th because it's a new season. 
once that puck drops against the Seattle Kraken at T-Mobile Arena, once the banner is raised, for us, not the fans, because the fans will have it forever, but for us, the, 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 the page turns and, and we begin a new chapter. Well, okay. To a degree, I, I think you're right. But how long into the season are fans going to hold on to the Stanley Cup? I would hold on to it forever. No, I, I know you're oh. going to hold on to it forever. Like, obviously, the Golden Knights have won a Stanley Cup. That's never going to be taken away. But is there going to be a part in the season or a point in the season where you think fans are going to stop wanting to talk about the Stanley Cup? Meaning, you have the ups and downs of an 82-game schedule. You have the hopes and dreams of repeating as champions. You have all of those things that are actively happening in front of you. Are you going to stop looking in the rear view to use a, a phrase that we've heard before when it comes to this organization, are you going to stop looking in the rear view and be fully immersed in the here and now? Or is that always going to be in the back of the mind throughout the season? Well, I think from, from my perspective, if I was a fan of this team, mm-hmm. and of course fan is short for fanatic. We, well, you're the voice of the fans on yes. the program. So I feel like the first moment that kind of goes out the window of course, we, we talk about it all the time, seasons, long season, mm-hmm. peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. I think the first time you hit that that maybe losing streak where you lose like maybe four of six or you lose a couple games in a row, maybe you're not scoring, things aren't going right, you just hit a rough patch. And I feel like maybe that's the moment that the fans will kind of like, oh, man, it's a new season. We can't, we can't lean back on what were the Stanley Cup champs anymore. I think until someone proves that, that – they're better than the Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. You'll have that. But I think the moment a new season hits for the fans will be the first time that the team goes through a rough patch. I I, I feel like I agree with you in that way in that there are going to be moments throughout the season that are going to be difficult. And, and this isn't me trying to be pessimistic as, as I've been called before on the program by, by many people. Um, I think that there's going to be tougher stretches, mainly because we're talking about a short offseason and you're going to need to be healthy. And what we've seen out of the Golden Knights, even last year throughout the regular season, health was a question mark, right? Yeah. So there will be periods of time where you're you're not going to be playing your best. There's going to be periods of time where you're not clicking on all cylinders. You're also a, a team comprised of humans. Like, that's just what's going to happen. So... I'd like to believe, right, that winning a Stanley Cup is going to be the ultimate benefit of the doubt, right? Like, you're going to have moments throughout the season where things aren't going particularly well, but you can just look back at what happened last year and say, okay, let's pump the brakes on this, everything will be fine. But I also don't get the sense that that's going to happen because now that there's a championship, now that there is a tangible piece of evidence that the Golden Knights have climbed that mountain, that they are champions, that they have a team that is worthy of getting to that level, I think the scrutiny is going to be even harder. Like, the scrutiny is going to be even more. I'm expecting, right, that there are going to be some post-game shows that I'm going to do, that I'm going to crack a mic, and it might be a tough-fought loss. It might be, you know, a, a, a game that gets away something. But I have, a, I, have a, I have a feeling that the opinions are going to be, and the critiques are going to be, that much more pointed this season. Well, I think we we now have experienced a championship. 
So the fans know what it's like to 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 hit the jackpot, to be high in the clouds and, and all that. So I guess ultimately it really will boil down to do the fans do they maybe accept that, eh, you know what, may, maybe, maybe it's not our year? Or is there that hunger again where they're just as hungry as the players? They want it just as bad as the players. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Alec Martinez, three Stanley Cups. I don't think it gets – I don't think he, he – after – I don't think when he skated off the ice at T-Mobile Arena, he was like, eh, that wasn't as good as the first. Like, I don't think Alex Petrangelo skated off the ice. Ivan Barbashev. I don't think when they got in their locker room, I don't think they were like, eh, the first one was better. I think they're equal, and maybe maybe there's more significance to that first one, but I don't think the joy of winning it is less the more times you win it. Like, I feel like the joy and the satisfaction and the accomplishment mm-hmm. maybe sometimes is even greater for that second one or third one in the case of, of Martinez because there's so much perseverance and how difficult it is to win two, let alone three. So I feel like the fans also buy into that. Like, mm-hmm. like listen, I say all the time, I'm not greedy. I just want the Jets to win one Super Bowl. But in the back of my mind, mm-hmm. if the Jets had been what the New England Patriots were, every single one of those Super Bowls would be just as good as the first. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not arguing that. Like, I, that's a great question for Martinez. Like, how did this one compare to your first two? Especially because there's a length of time there between his last championship and this one, right? Like, you're talking 2014 to 2023, and and it's interesting because the the newness for Martinez is that those two championships with LA came in a year and a half, two year span, right? Like. More or less, that's what it yeah. was. Yeah, well, they were two or three, right? It was two out of three. So that's where you're at with that. I wonder how the weight between two and three impacted Alec Martinez in terms of how he views this championship, if it did at all. You know, I, I don't know, it, it, but it's a good question to ask him. Well, I it's feel a, like it's a good one to ask Petrangelo, too. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to wait as long, but no. I mean, I feel like may, maybe even a guy like you. You you got to see a lot of Alex Petrangelo or Alec Martinez when when you were, you know, not doing this, and you you grew up a Kings fan, so obviously you got to witness those championships, and you knew who Alec Martinez was. I did. I mean, I kind of feel like he he played the same way in 2023 as he did in 2012 and 2014. Like I feel like he was still eating up shots, like grimace at, at McDonald's eating up French fries. <laughs> okay, I just I wonder. What the temperature is going to be surrounding the Golden Knights when it comes to the fans? That's that's kind of the most intriguing thing for me going into the season, and specifically because of what I do. It's intriguing to me because I get to talk to the fans after every single game. Yeah, I get the opportunity to have an ongoing dialogue and conversation. There have been times where it's gotten heated. There have been times where it's been very much a give and take. There have been times, mostly, where it's been overwhelmingly positive. Right. And I'm just I'm, I'm interested to see how a championship changes that. Well, I, I, I wonder, like, if the fans get a little bit more demanding mm-hmm. because they've they've experienced it. Yeah. They, they, they know the feeling. 
I don't even know if it's demanding. It's just again you, expectations. You, you, you hit are, it right on the head. You do it once. You want to do it again. Yeah, I mean, we say it in in the intro to our second yeah. hour. One is never enough. Never. No. Like no one's satisfied with one. And you know it's great, right? Like the Golden Knights, the organization. They're, they they've got a book coming out. It hurts to win. Uh, Gordon Weigers has been doing fantastic stuff with it. Gary Lawless doing fantastic stuff with it. Uh, it's available for pre-order right now. So if you haven't done so already, go to goldenknights.com, get on there, find find all that information and, and get yourself in order. Um, but every day thereabout, there's there's you know little snippets here and there from what's going to be in the book that that's released. And I'm telling you, today what I saw on social media was Mark Stone kind of talking about, you know, the parade, right? And I think that's kind of where this this idea is coming to me because the more time that I'm removed from the parade, you would think that the memory is leaving me a bit, right? Like you'd think that I'm a, I'm getting a bit foggy on what happened. It's not the case. Like I will remember what that image was. It's burned in my brain of the amount of people and making the turn right there onto Las Vegas Boulevard, seeing everyone surrounding Caesar's Palace, right? New York, New York, the Bellagio, all of it. I'm going to remember the fountains. I'm going to remember the people in front of the fountains. I'm going to remember all of the different sights and sounds and everything that was going on. And all I want to do, all I want to happen, Regardless of the fact that it felt like the shortest offseason I've ever had in the National Hockey League. Well, it was. I just want to do it again. I don't I don't want to to live without that moment. I want that moment over and over and over and over and again. And I'm not on the ice. I'm not playing the games, right? But everyone's as invested as the players are. You've got fans that are invested and that want to go out there. They want to be on the strip again for a parade. They want to be in those moments where there's important games and they're playing important games and they're beating really good teams and, and dashing the hopes and dreams of the Connor McDavid's and Leon Dreisaitl's and all that. And I just feel like because you get to experience it, because you've gotten to that point, because you've had that moment in the sun... You just want that more, and I think that the, the expectations for the Golden Knights, the more I sit and think about it, coming into this season, not wanting to let go of last year, I think the expectations are going to be, and the scrutiny is going to be, that much more for this team. Well, the good thing is we have educated fans. 100%. Despite what the morons on Twitter say about Vegas, we've got some really which, which some really knowledgeable. talking about? Well, other fan bases. Oh, okay. Who like to poo-poo Vegas. Not a hockey town. <laughs> Shut up. All right. It's a hockey town. It's a major league sports city. We've got educated fans here. And I know because I get to listen to the postgame show. I get to see a lot of what good said on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a lot of people here from, from the Midwest. A lot of people here from the Northeast. Like I grew up, I grew up literally within an earshot of four major or four NHL franchises. Mm-hmm. So like. I, w- I couldn't turn on the TV in the winter and not see the Rangers or the Flyers or the Devils. They were always on television. So the one the one thing that I do believe is that the fans are going to be they, – their expectations are going to be higher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing is I know what it felt like for me to be on the ice year one after the Capitals won that, that, that Stanley Cup. Yeah. And I was happy for Ovechkin. I, I obviously make no secret of the fact that I'm a big fan of Alexander Ovechkin. Sure. But yeah. it hurt. Like like me, 
a guy who's supposed to be impartial, it hurt to to know th- how much the Golden Knights invested and tr- and pushed and wanted to win for this city. Yeah. And then I got I, I I had to wait six years, which really isn't that long if you think about it. Look at the Florida Panthers. What was it, 26 years between final appearances? And they haven't won either one. So I just walked off the ice, and when I left T-Mobile that, that first year, I said, you know what, it would be really cool to see this team win, and, and it would be really cool for me, and it would be an experience. And now I got to experience. I was down on the ice. I got to high-five Braden McNabb and get a bear hug from Paul Cotter and mm. and – Things like that, but even seeing Jesus, sure, like the guy was the guy was on cloud nine. Yeah, Tommy Ippolito. I mean, the 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 hug I got from that guy when they won. It's like it's awesome. So if it's that great of an experience for me, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what it's like for a guy like Jonathan Marchessault or uh, uh, Zach Whitecloud or Nick Nick Waugh, William Car- like I watched the the episode of William Carrier with his day with the cup and. Honestly, it made me cry. Like the joy that his father had with him winning the cup. Yeah. And and then the dad joking about how he taught them how to fish, but now him and his brother teach him how to fish. Mm-hmm. But like it, it was cool and and I feel like there's something special. And William said it in in that little video and he said, "Look, all the players the, they, they come from, from the town and they want to see the cup, but they all know not to touch it mm. because they want to win it. Being from Canada, that's a thing. But Not I've, you. No, I had no problem. Not I'm not you. a player. First first time you saw the Stanley Cup, I was there. I kissed it. I was in the room with you. Yes, I kissed it. Yeah, over the line. No, it's not. It was over the line. I didn't know if I was ever going to have the opportunity it was to, too to much. do it again. Okay, so let me let me ask, because you, you said something that I thought was interesting, right? Like, you were on the ice. I was on the ice year one. I, I remember what it was like to to walk into the Golden Knights locker room after. It sucked. It, it was it was rough. Now, when you left the rink that night, did you ever have a doubt that we would be that we would be back here and that the Golden Knights would accomplish that goal? Yes, really. I, yeah, because really because I know how difficult it is. I root for crappy teams, mm-hmm. so well, that might just be your bias. Well, that, but I've also seen my crappy teams come close multiple times. I've seen the Mets lose the World Series twice. Mm-hmm. I watched them lose to the Yankees, which was which was maybe the the most horrifying thing I could imagine. I've seen the Jets lose AFC title games, so I knew that they had good teams those years. But getting back is so hard. I mean, we we we've seen it. We Florida's a really good team. There's no guarantee they're ever going to make the playoffs next year. There was never a doubt in my mind. There was never a doubt in my mind that this goal would be accomplished. And you know, maybe there was a doubt as to whether or not I'd be there. And it you know got what really, mean? you know what? For me, it got it got even worse mm-hmm. year two mm-hmm. because they got screwed. I mean, out of, was, out of a win. That was a rough. That was a rough way to go out, and I would argue that up until last season, that was maybe the most complete and or best collection of talent that the Golden Knights had on their roster. But like, then you went to the COVID year mm-hmm. after that, and that that was the you, you knew they were really good and they were clicking. Yeah, and then the shutdown happened. To me, I was never 
concerned about whether or not they'd be able to deliver. I didn't know that it would be in six years. I didn't know that the prophecy uh, that Bill Foley threw out there year one was going to be one that, that came to fruition. But there was something about the way the organization went about building the team. There was something about going out there and relentlessly trying to improve the team one to 2% at a time as best they could. And it all came together and you often need that to happen. But the, the big thing for me is there's so many organizations out there. There's so many teams out there that winning a Stanley Cup, you can make the argument, is not the ultimate goal. There's plenty of teams in the National Hockey League. You're going to look at them. You're going to look at rosters. You're going to go into this season. Like, I'm sorry. I don't think that I'm telling tales out at school here. The ultimate goal for the Arizona Coyotes this season is not to win the Stanley Cup. It's just not. You play, if you get lucky, if you get into the postseason, like that's great, it's fine, but there are a collection of teams that's just not on the radar right now. And no matter what for Golden Knights fans, there has never been a season, ever, with this organization where that hasn't been the ultimate goal. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Expectations. You and I know what they are. Sure. But were expectations higher going into year two coming off the loss, or were they or are they gonna be higher this year Ooh. coming off the win? Higher this year, hundred percent. Because I don't think a lot of people knew what to expect for year two. Yeah. And, right? and like, I, I would I would you, totally agree with you, that. You go to the Stanley Cup final, it doesn't work out, it's heartbreaking, but you still look at that season as a resounding success. You're an expansion team that makes it to within three wins of a Stanley Cup. Like, no one could write that, right? Yeah. Um, and then you follow it up by having a really, really solid 82 games schedule. You you were on your way to the second round of the postseason. Um, I I think that you, you know, you had some some maneuvering in the offseason, you had new players coming in, you changed some things around. I think ultimately going into year two, the expectation was, okay, let's make the playoffs. Like that's kind of where you expected them to be. Now, what about what about after you acquired Mark Stone? I mean that midway through year two. Did did the expectations change and become for, I mean, for me they did. Okay. Right? Because he's that good. Yeah. Like that is a franchise altering trade. And that, they've had a few of them. They've had they've had plenty of them. Jack Eichel, franchise yeah. altering trade. I, I would and, agree though that they're higher because Going into year two, you didn't have going into the season. Mm -hmm. Now, Max Pacioretty, really good player. Yeah. Not a franchise defining player like you now have. You have two of them now mm -hmm. in Mark Stone and Jack Eichel. And then you have a collection of really, really good players like Alex Petrangelo, probably a Hall of Famer. Sure. So. You know, it's like the expectations, I feel like they are higher. And I feel like for the fans, they're going to be higher. To, to go back yeah. to the original point. It's it's not even close. The expectations for the Golden Knights going into this season are the highest they've ever been in franchise history. Yeah, I, I, I think so. It's not even close. Because you've done it. You, you can't climb any higher than the Golden Knights climbed last year. And I would imagine the, the people who feel that way, maybe even more so than you and I mm -hmm. and the fans. Yeah. Are the guys who are going to be sitting on their perch overwatching practice every morning? I, I again, I think from an organizational standpoint, it's a, the expectation the way, is every single season to win the Stanley Cup, all the way down to the players. They want to win every year, and that's and the type of organization I want. That that that's the point, right? 
as a fan, go into this season understanding that there has never been a point in time that you have been a fan of this team that they haven't been actively trying to get better by 1% to 2% in order to deliver a championship. And no matter what happens throughout the course of the season, the Golden Knights, I'm saying it right now, the Golden Knights are a playoff team. Okay, I believe they're a playoff team. I believe they're one of the best in the Pacific Division. I would go so far as to say I think they're one of the best in the Western Conference because they just won the Stanley Cup. They're bringing back essentially the exact same team. I just think that they're that much better than everybody else. But that being said, there will be lulls. There will be points in the season where it's just not going to go their way. And that's okay because I have full confidence that if there is a need that arises during the season that must be addressed for this team to take that next step to get back to where they were last year to ultimately go back-to-back and win another championship, there's a track record where this front office will make that move. They're unafraid to be out there with their desire to win championships. As a fan, you couldn't ask for anything more. That's the expectation you have going into this year. I just think back to when they traded Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin. Yeah. And you and I did the show that day, and it was almost like expectations for, for me weren't as high. It was like, oh, well, all right. Well, if, if Mark Stone's healthy, he'll provide some scoring. We didn't know at that point just how good of a player. I mean, we had an idea, but we didn't know how great Jack Eichel was going to turn out to be. And it was almost like, well, well, where are they going to get better? Mm-hmm. Did they get better? Mm-hmm. They got nothing in return. But there's a reason why I sit here punching buttons and, well, and hitting sound. And, and that's But that's the thing, right? Like Everything they do is good. No, Every move they make. I think, I think that that's one of the concepts that's been hardest for a lot of people to understand and grasp. Cap space isn't nothing. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's not. I, I believe me, when you trade players, would it be better if there was someone coming back the other way or something coming back the other way? Sure. But I, I think if, if there's one thing you look at with George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, it's their ability to free up cap space in a flat cap era. Mm-hmm. So that they could do what? Build the deepest team that they possibly could so that when they line up across McDavid and Dreisaitl, when they line up across Rope Hintz and Jason Robertson, when they line up across Matthew Kachuk and Sasha Barkov, it doesn't matter how much elite talent is on the other side. This team's deeper. They just have more of it. They're going to beat you. Like... I, I, I know some so so many times there were unpopular moves. Mm-hmm. But you don't get to this point where you're going into the season as a defending Stanley Cup champ if you don't make unpopular moves. And what I've learned in six, now seven years of, of being around this organization, they're fearless. Like, their front office is fearless. They don't care about the criticism. They don't care who says what. If they feel there's a way mm-hmm. to become a better team, yep. they're going to do it. And and if I'm a fan, I know I have my favorite player. I may have his jersey. I may have his autograph poster on my wall. But you know what? I want my team to compete every single season. I don't want my team to tank. Mm-hmm. I don't want my team in the sweepstakes for Connor Bedard. 
I don't want my team trading away their best players to acquire draft picks. I want my team to go out there and try to win every single year. And that's what you get. And that, in essence, starts tonight when the Golden Knights rookies take on the Anaheim Ducks rookies. 7 o'clock, the Dollar Loan Center. First game for the Golden Knights in the rookie face-off. We'll be back on the other side of the break with Will Nickel, Director of Player Development. We spoke yesterday, and we want to bring that sound to you ahead of tonight's game between Vegas and Anaheim. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Rolling along here, VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman hanging out with you. Vegas Golden Knights on the ice tonight, 7 o'clock against the Anaheim Ducks, the rookie face-off. First game for the Vegas Golden Knights. They'll play twice more over the weekend. Saturday, 7 o'clock, Dollar Loan Center against San Jose. And then you've got uh, the concluding game for Vegas on Monday, 3 o'clock, against the Colorado Avalanche. That'll be at City National Arena. I'm really excited to get some actual hockey viewing done today. I really am. I'm I'm looking forward to quite a bit here from the rookie faceoff. There's some players that I'm going to keep my eye on. Brendan Brisson is certainly going to be one of them. Um, Jesper Weichmann, I, I talked about it a little bit yesterday, but I'm really intrigued to see him in the crease to, to just kind of get a handle on his game and how he plays. Uh, there's a couple of others too, but I want to just get into some sound from uh, Will Nickel. He's one of the most positive people you'll ever meet, right? Like we've had him on the show a couple of times, and you can understand why the Golden Knights, you start to look at things from a development slant, right? In the, 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 the arc for Nick Haig, the arc for Zach Whitecloud, some of the younger players for the Golden Knights that, that have put themselves in a position to be everyday players for the, the Vegas Golden Knights and then deliver on a Stanley Cup. Paul Cotter, another one that, that, that kind of jumps out to me, and you don't get there without the, without guys like Will Nickel, director of player development for the Vegas Golden Knights. Just does a great job of kind of explaining how to meet a player where they are, how to get the most out of their development. And he spoke yesterday. Here's Will Nickel. How does the evaluation change from the last time we talked to you for development camp to, to now? Like, are you looking for different things now that the season's almost here and then these guys are yeah. the Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the dev camp's more of an education and, and about you're, you're always being evaluated. So there's that evaluation piece. You've got the scrimmages at dev camp, but now you're going against other teams, different colored uniforms. And it, it definitely has a different feel too. Even when you look at the itinerary in the day, you know, the kids, they have lunch now and they head back where at dev camp, the days are fuller in terms of the education piece, but yeah, here it's uh, it's obviously a start of training camp, and a lot of the kids here would like to earn the right to move on to to the next step, which is main camp. So, yep. And just from the player development that recently, the excitement level of adding Nicole. Yeah, it's really really exciting. So, as a group, we've talked about adding that layer because I'm very honest with the kids, and I can I can give them a lot, but I can't tell them what it was like as a pro hockey player because I didn't play pro hockey. And uh, you get someone like Nick Holden, who I, I knew when he was here, but not in the capacity that I'm getting to know him now and will continue to. But everyone I talked to said he's just first class all the way, great hire, so much excitement, and, and I can see why. And something that I like is that, you know, Nick 
he wasn't drafted. Not that it has to be this way, but he, he wasn't drafted. He spent a significant amount of time in the minors, and he really had to go through all those steps before becoming an everyday NHL player. So there's not going to be a lot of scenarios that he doesn't understand or, or didn't see as a player, and he's going to bring so much to the table for our prospects from that standpoint. Like I can talk to the kids and say, well, this is what you're dealing with. This is what you're going through. Nick's going to be able to say, hey, listen, I lived it. Right. And uh, I'm just super excited. And selfishly, it's been really fun to get to know him as a human being. He's just first class all the way. Yep. You know, it's about the character hires his personality, I think, kind of makes a good addition as far as helping the young guys. Is that a good way of knowing his character? Can, can you say it again? So the, his character, his personality. Yes. Well, from day one, since, you know, we came on board here, um, character is everything that we try to base players, staff off of, right? The highest of characters. And he has that. He had that as a player. And he absolutely will bring that on the development side for sure. Um, something I like about him, too, is it just doesn't seem like there's any cloudy moments or cloudy days, right? He's just got that smile and he's got this personality that I think um, brings an upbeat, positive approach, which I, I like too, because, you know, no matter the situation, you know, there, there is, there is a, a positive um, outlook to it. And, uh, and I always find that that's better when you're dealing with just people in general. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year, um, we we had Shea helped out a little bit, right? Um, when he could, uh, but it wasn't like full time, like like Nick's is gonna be. So Nick is fully retired, and uh, yeah, so he's gonna be he's gonna be. That's sort of how the idea of having that guy came about was seeing what Shea was doing with the, the players. Yeah, I mean, it was really neat because he like I just talked about he could talk to the kids from a different angle. But, you know, in talking with George and Kelly, Yvonne Karp and Bobby Lowe's, Tim Speltz, something we've wanted to do is add that layer of having a player and, and we'd like to have an alum, right? And which Nick, Nick fits both of those. So, yeah. She is mentioned, what else? Like, how much different you feel like he looks like? Who? Uh, yeah, he has put on the right kind of weight. And what was the second part of that? Like, how much different? Well, so for me, because I'm with these guys a lot, but even from dev camp to here where I haven't seen him, you can see that he's made some some gains. Um, but if you go back to when we first drafted him, and that's his starting point to now, yeah, he's put on the right kind of weight and a, a significant amount. And I believe he's actually grown a little bit too since we drafted him. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, when you talked about the, the change from dev camp to uh, rookie camp, I guess, but how does the messaging change now? Yeah, I don't know if it's changed. I mean, because you're always being evaluated. I just think that there, it, it's got a different feel. I don't know how else to say it, other than you know, you, you got about 40 kids here for Dev Camp, and now this week we've got uh, I think it's 27, 28. So it's a it's a smaller group. Uh, and they're competing. They're competing against each other, right, for jobs. And then if they're able to move on to main camp, they're competing for, for jobs. They're competing 
to to make great impressions all those things so yeah it, it, it's i don't know if the message is different you know you always want to be a pro you always want to have that that mentality i just think that the feel you know of this week is different yeah i mean we want to see that urgency at, at dev camp as well i just think it's going to be and you guys are all here for both the intensity it just comes up a whole different level because you're playing against other teams you know there's not not that we are promoting fighting or anything like that but you don't see fights at dev camp right where at times it gets so intense at these games or an exhibition game at nhl where it gets to that level right so i just think that the intensity level increases significantly come come this time of the year yeah you mentioned guys are Yeah. Uh, for Sox, one of those guys. What, what are you looking for from him over these games? Um, obviously, you can't make the team in these few days. But yeah. What yeah, for Briss, just come and play your game, right? And that's for any of the guys, right? So you, you do some things so well, do those things, and be great at it. And then, you know, for someone like him, he's really focused this last year on his 200-foot game, his play on the wall, things like that. And you could see it even in practice today. There was a couple times where he went in on, on the forecheck, you know, uh, separated the defenseman from the puck, got it, and made the play. Like doing those things consistently and and just continuing to see that growth. So, what are you looking for in terms of goalies this weekend? Doesn't sound like Isaiah's going to be available, so you have two. Yeah. What, what, what are you looking for with them, especially knowing that there's an open spot for the, the second spot? Manager? Yeah. So <clears throat> looking for. That, that'd be a question more probably for Sean Burke and Freddie and Mike Rosati. You know, I'm pretty basic with goaltenders. I like it when they stop the puck. That's always a good thing. Keep the neck clean. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, from a development standpoint, you know, they're different because Paps is obviously a little bit older. Uh, Jesper is, he's turning pro right now. Um, but he's been through it, right? He's been through it because of his time in the CHL. So, just expecting those guys to come in and play their game just like we would with anybody else and to give us a chance to win, you know, tomorrow night. So don't think so. Yeah, don't think so. He should be fine. But obviously, that'd be obviously for our medical staff. So, yeah. Head of director, uh, head of player development, uh, Will Nickel there. As you know, we we, we kind of transition into this first bit of hockey going on for the Vegas Golden Knights. They'll be in action tonight, seven o'clock, the Dollar Loan Center against the Anaheim Ducks rookie faceoff. Um, I'm looking forward to that game. I'm looking forward to the weekend for the Vegas Golden Knights just to kind of see where everyone's at in terms of their development. Uh, I, I got a chuckle out of the goaltending question, right? Like when you start to look at goaltenders, how do you evaluate them? Well, really, it, it comes down to one thing: do you stop the puck or not? Right. And like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going into this like obsessed with Jesper Weichmann and, and his, his play. I just want to see how he moves around in the crease because you start to think about a goaltender, you start to think about the system, you start to think about Aiden Hill and how he's able to read plays, how he's a bigger body and he can put himself in the right spots. Um, you start to think about the future. And, and, you know, for, for Weichmann, I, I think that that's a goaltender that's got the size, he's got the ability, I would argue in time to to maybe push that that pace or push that level so i'm interested in that and then it's like to me 
there's a lot of different players you can look at. Brendan Brisson is the most interesting one. I, I, I would make that argument, mainly because there's, there's a skill set that he has that I don't think anybody else possesses. His shot's ridiculous. It just is. And the only thing, the only argument that I'm going to make, and, and I'm not going on a limb here and saying that I think Brendan Brisson's going to push for a roster spot on the Vegas Golden Knights. I, I think that, that there's kind of a log jam there for guys that are, are likely to be in the Riley Smith spot. We talked about it yesterday. You got Paul Cotter, you got Pavel Dorofiev, you got Max Comtois. Like, those are guys with NHL experience, and I think when you're coming off of defending a Stanley Cup championship, you're going to want to lean on that experience heavily. You're going to want Brendan Brisson in the, in, you know, with the Henderson Silver Knights lighting the world on fire, scoring a bunch of power play goals, and doing the things that he's got to do away from the puck to put himself in the right spots. Well, that's that's the thing with this organization as well. You know, we talk about their depth all the time, and Brendan Brisson is not a guy who's going to make the roster and sit up in the press box and watch. Well, you don't want him to. He can sit in the press box and watch as a member of the Silver Knights and still play for the Silver Knights, which is probably what's going to end up happening. Look, if he has the, if he makes the team, he's going to be playing. Well, that's the thing. If he makes the team, it's because he deserves to make the yes. team, right? It's because he's doing all the little things. It's because he's the best option. And that's really what the Golden Knights are, are kind of in the luxury uh, spot of, of being able to do is if someone's going to be on the opening night roster, it's because they had a great camp. They were better than the other alternatives, and that's why they're on that opening Well, that's roster. like Paul Cotter last year. Exactly, 100%. He came into camp with a job. He accomplished that job, and he was the best option for Vegas. Now, all that being said, you start to look at all the different areas that Riley Smith impacted this team, five-on-five five penalty kill power play. I've already kind of laid out my idea that I think, and it might not be today, it might not be 10 games, 20 games, 30 games into the year, but ultimately I think that on the penalty kill, it's going to be Jack Eichel. I just, I, I, I just get the sense that that's going to be a new layer and a challenge from Bruce Cassidy to Jack. You want to take the next step in your evolution as the complete overall player? It probably starts with a penalty kill, okay? So you start to think about power play, and Brendan Brisson's shot on the power play on that wall is phenomenal. It's been great every single level that he's been at. I start to wonder if he's doing enough of the right things in camp, and then that becomes an option. Is it is it somewhere you, you start to kind of pencil him in or you give him a look? I don't know. I still think that there's going to be other options for Vegas to, to kind of go through, but that's what makes these three games so important for a guy like Brendan Brisson. Well, going, I feel like going into training camp, going into exhibition, like these are important games for him. Well, for him, especially him, there's and and I would make well him because he's part of this this rookie tournament. Pavel Dorofeyev is not, but he has to be good in these three games. And I feel like that gets him a look with maybe guys who are going to be on the roster opening night in the preseason. Like you have to, you have to impress here. You can't just go through the motions and assume that you're gonna you're gonna get that opportunity once training camp starts because it starts tonight for a guy like well, him. Well, that's 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 exactly right. Your your preseason starts tonight. Your ability to play more than one or two or a couple or whatever it is, it all starts with what you're able to do over these three games. 
And that's that's kind of where it's at for Brendan Brisson. I'm I'm interested to see what he's able to do with the opportunity. And like I said, it's going to be really fun to just get out there, watch a hockey game again. It's been a while. It do, even though it doesn't feel like it, it has been a while <laughs> for uh, for us to to take in a Vegas Golden Knight hockey game. We're back with more on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, ninety-eight point nine FM and thirteen forty AM. Fun first hour, the VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman hanging out for about an hour or so. Then I'm trucking it down to the Dollar Loan Center. I'm taking in tonight's game. I'm excited for it. I'm really looking forward to live hockey. It's been a minute. It's been a while. Um, Chapman, you're going to a game over the weekend? Uh, well, I got the email notification oh. and a text message from, from the I, jury duty people, whoever the hell they are. Who send that stuff out? Okay. I don't have jury duty on Monday. I've been released. Oh, look at look at you! So I will be so heading out to uh, Dollar Loan Center on yeah. Monday to watch the Golden Knights in action. Well, the rookies in action. Well, they're at uh, City National Arena on Monday. Okay, so well I'll to, be there on Monday. Don't go to Dollar Loan Center. Even on better, Monday. I don't I don't have to drive to Henderson now. <laughs> right might, up the street. You might get a little upset if you get down there and there's. Just, well, there's that's nothing, all right. It, it's doing. it's right across the street from Green Valley Ranch, so I could always pop in and uh, do grab something. Some, yeah, find some, if, if I get there and I'm like, uh, why are there no cars here? A little Shake Shack. Oh yes, yes. Is that your favorite burger? No. What's your favorite burger? You know what? I had I had Freddy's today for lunch. Did you? Okay. I like Freddy's. Freddy's is good. Okay. They have they had a a grilled cheese burger, mm-hmm. and it's burger on the Texas toast yep. with bacon, yep. cheese, and a tomato like spread. I that was good. I like Freddy's. I just and like I understand the concept of like a steak burger and a smash burger and all that. Yeah, I just I want a little bit more in terms of the patty. I just want a little bit more volume there. Yeah, that's all it is. You know what's really good but underrated? Hmm. Fat burger. Have you ever had Tommy's? Tommy's burger? No, no, I have not. Buddy. I know there's one on St. Rose Parkway. Buddy, you have to go with me. Chili burger, right? It is a California institution. Yeah. It's amazing. There's one in Barstow, I think. Yeah, yeah, I've passed 100%. it a bunch of times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. We're going to go. You and I. Sounds good. Hour number two coming up next with the VGK Insider Show.